Happy New Year, Ernest. Happy New Year, Kim. Happy New Year, listeners. Yes, all you listeners, happy 2023. Uh, So Ernest and I thought what we would do today is to talk about bullying. You ready, Ernest? I'm ready. I'm ready. I just realized I was smiling, and you, as you were saying, bullying, and I was like, I should <laughs> "It's not be okay. Smiling. We're, we're <laughs> going to smile in the face of bullying." <laughs> yes, that's one of the one one of the many ways to combat bullying. Yeah. So, Ernest, I thought I would start by reading a few pages from the new revised book, "Just Work," which is not going to be called "Just Work" for the paperback. Right. Yep. Um, you want, should I just start reading and then we'll, we'll talk? Yeah, let's jump into it. Let, let's, let's, let's let our listeners hear. All right. Use a you statement to stand up to bullying. The nature of bullying is to isolate the target. The minute an upstander intervenes showing solidarity, the bullying behavior has failed in its goal to isolate one person, making them more vulnerable. Why then do we so often ignore bullying, thus allowing it to stand? Sometimes it may be a fear of the person doing the bullying that gets in your way. Other times it may not be clear if it's appropriate. Might it be seen as patronizing to act on behalf of the person being bullied? Right to Be, a nonprofit that develops training for upstanders, offers an effective 5D approach to being an upstander. The five Ds are direct, distract, delegate, delay, document. These are different ways that you can stand up to bullying. First, direct. Challenge the person doing the bullying in the moment. Try a you statement as noted above. Here are some examples. What's going on for you here? Do you realize how you you sound? You're being inappropriate, disrespectful, etc. Yo, not cool. You need to leave them alone now. What you're saying is biased, prejudiced, offensive, etc. Remember, if you're the leader, you need to take the direct approach. The rest of the five Ds are for upstanders who are not leaders, for whom the direct approach may be too risky. I'm going to pause here because that last sentence I added after our last podcast, because... I was talking about being an upstander in the moment, and you were talking about a leader who was failing uh, to 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 sort of jump in directly, who pulled you aside later. And I yes. realized that you don't get to use all the five Ds if you're the leader. You have to be direct. What do you Agreed. think? I think it's great. I think it's spot on. I think it's spot on. There you go. See, the podcast is improving the book already. All right. Distract. <laughs> While it may be more satisfying to confront bullying directly, sometimes the direct approach makes things worse for the person being bullied. In these cases, the best thing to do might be to create a distraction. When I was in high school interning at a bank, I was asked to answer the phones. Once I accidentally hung up on a caller, I was trying to transfer one of the people executing trades at the terminals to. Jesus Christ, girl, can't you even work a goddamn telephone? The trader bellowed at me. Not liking this kind of bullying, one of the other traders stood up and threw a squishy ball he had on his desk at the man who'd yelled at me. The bellower missed it, and everyone now is focused on tossing the ball around, not on me. I'm still grateful to that upstander 30 years later. 
delegate. By delegate, I don't mean ask someone below you in a hierarchy to do the work. I mean, get help from another person who is in a better position to intervene or build solidarity with others. You can delegate up, down, or sideways. Delay. Sometimes uncertainty about the risk of retribution may make you reluctant to intervene on the spot, but you can still check in later. Once at a sales conference, a woman I worked with commented in front of thousands of people about the rock star thighs of a man on the team. I had no idea why she wanted to embarrass him. I didn't feel it would be productive to confront her directly in the moment. I would just call attention to the incident and make it more embarrassing for him. That didn't mean I had to ignore what happened, though. After the conference, I made sure to find the man who'd been singled out and tell him I felt her remark was out of line. He expressed gratitude, saying that her comment had indeed upset him, but nobody else had mentioned it, so he wondered if he were overreacting. I knew how he felt. Document. Your ability to document bad behavior can be an invaluable service to the victims of bullying, whether because they want to report an episode and third-party evidence helps, or simply because it is comforting to get a reality check that what happened to them was wrong. An upstander can take notes on what is happening during an incident in a way that the person harmed can't. In summary, when you notice behavior that seems simply mean, you have several options for how to intervene. If you're not sure what to do, run through the five Ds and choose to do something. Direct, distract, delegate, delay, document. What do you think? I think it's good. I had a couple immediate reactions um, as you were reading. The first one was another you statement that works really well is let me repeat back to you what you just said. Yes. Right. Which I I, I love that. (laughs) I use that a lot, particularly with people who are more senior to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm like, let me just say, let me repeat this back to you. So you could just hear how this sounded. Yeah. And I've been people's minds have been blown when I do that. I will say, particularly that works with cisgender heterosexual white men. Yeah. Um, in positions of power. Yeah. Once I have trust with them, they tend to be a little bit more um, receptive when I'm just repeating back their own statements. Yeah. To them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the distract what I'm struggling with, Kim. Like I know the five D's aren't yours, and they've come from a from a training. Mm-hmm. But how does distract not end up being a passive, um, a passive approach that does not address? The bullying itself. Yeah. I think that I think that probably distraction is not enough. It was the right in the moment. In the in the case that I mentioned, it was the right thing to do in the moment. I hope that the guy afterwards went and confronted the bully. I mean that it's not enough. Yeah. But I th- and I again I think that if you're not a leader, leader, if you're yeah. not a leader, then th- and this is why like remembering your role is so yes. important when you think about these things. Like the the one of the other examples of distract was actually uh, around not just bullying but sexual harassment. Hmm. So and and this happened. It was there was an article called Snack Man. Uh, in the New York Times, and this some somebody was getting. Have you read? Did you read that? I haven't, but the but the title you can imagine my brain. what happened. Yes. So, so guy is on a subway, and uh, a man chases a woman onto the car and is obviously making a grabbing at her okay. sexually. 
and she's obviously not happy about it. And he didn't know what to do because he was smaller than the guy and, mm. you know, whatever. You just, you, it's hard to know. But he was eating a thing of Pringles, two, mm. and he just threw his Pringles on the floor and it created a distraction that was long enough for her to run off the train. Got and uh, and so so you know was it the ideal response? I don't know, but it did the trick. You know, yeah. You, you know what? In the, in that context, it makes perfect sense to me. The distraction makes perfect sense. And I think yeah. when I was challenged in my brain as you were reading it, I was automatically coming from the place of leadership. Yeah. Um. But but I can see how it makes a lot of sense if you are a person who does not hold power in the room, but you are so uncomfortable that you want to help the person. I think I can see how it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. My husband and I have talked about this also in, in, in some cases it's easier for me to intervene than it is for him as a white man to intervene. Yes. Uh, Yes. Especially if the person who's, who's doing the bullying is another white man. Like the guy might hit my husband and, and the, and the chances that he's going to hit me are smaller. Mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. so I think just being so he'll de- he'll look at me, you know, and I'll. Uh, it's a form of delegation, right? You're yeah. delegating. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's delegating, and then I'm yeah. doing the direct, you know, either the direct or the distract. Um, yeah. And so one of the things that I really, you know, I, I love the role that upstanders play, and one of the re- reasons I wrote this book is to honor the upstanders that have been so helpful to me throughout my career. And the last thing I want to do is tell upstanders, you know, give them advice that's going to put them in harm's way if they're not a leader, if they're not in a position. So that's right. That's right. um, So that's look, I love it. And I also love the honoring the upstander because that the upstanders in most cases are the change agents. Yeah. Who are driving real significant either conversations, disruption to the traditional systems of bias power that exists that cause bullying. So I, 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 I really, I really appreciate that. I think Kim, the delegate piece also is a really good one. I, I would ask our li- listeners to really think about it because I know that I've used delegate sometimes in situations at being the under, you gave it, you gave it a good example from your husband, who's a white man asking you to intervene as a white woman. There's cases being the underrepresented black gay man in the room Yeah, where I know I'm walking into a situation. This particularly comes to mind when I'm have sat in the seat of chief diversity officer and I would be walking into a meeting that I know is going to be challenged with, yeah. with someone. I would ask someone on my team who's not black yeah, to watch out for things and be ready to step up and stand in um, because people would automatically expect me to do it yeah, because yeah. either the role that I was in or because I am gay and black and to have a white man or a white woman sometimes step in, that delegation works a lot. So I think I think that's a little that's one that you can really think from from so many different angles. Yeah, yeah. Of, of how delegation can work here to really help. And I think delegating proactively yes. is real, that, <laughs> you know before it yeah. happens because yeah, you know it's yeah. going to happen is really important because it is it's rough. It's it's it it's goes really back rough. to the, I think in the last episode we were talking about 
the woman who was the only woman on the team and the CEO yes. said something about tits and ass and yes. everybody yes. kind of looked at her to, and like, why, you know, why should I be? Because there were other men in the room who also understood why that was so problematic. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, so being, and she, it's interesting. I, I talked to her about it later and she had talked to, her coach about, you mm-hmm. know, that and multiple other incidents. And she said, you know, it is not, it is my job here to, to, you know, play the role that I have been given. It is yeah. not my job to correct the misogyny of the CEO. Like, that's not why I took this job. That's right. That's and, right. uh, and yet it needed correcting. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it would have been better if, if she, if she had been able to enlist some of the other men on the team, some of her peers who were men to help her. So that's Absolutely. Another, I mean, that's a good delegate. It is a good delegate, but that's a place where document is perfect. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because in the moment, I may not be, st- I may not say something in the moment, but I'm going to go back and document this. Yeah. And now putting my HR hat on, uh, you know, as an, as an HR person who's done many investigations through my career, there's nothing more than you'd love. You'd love is when an employee comes to you with, to talk about a situation that's happened with documentation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's much, a gold mine, right? Yeah. It's a gold yeah. mine, yeah. Yeah, because now, so it's interesting. Talk, let's talk about that a little bit, uh, because I think, I think that as an HR leader, some of the, one of the things that people don't understand is that HR wants to help you. Usually, yes. I mean, there, there yes. are times when HR is in the pocket of the CEO, and and then. But, but I'm sure you yes. never allowed that to happen to you. Uh, and so it, you can help them help you by documenting. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Right. I mean, if you think about it and you say, I'm going to go, I want to talk about this with HR, this instance that happened to me or that I witnessed of so- happening to somebody else, but you come with three or four emails Mm-hmm. or notes that you even made that said, yeah. this happened on this date. Here's what the response was in the room. Yeah. Here's what my response was. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really good because ultimately that helps, particularly if this is someone who is more senior yeah. or holds more power yeah. or has broader relationships yeah. across the organization. It really, really is helpful because now you can see patterns. Yeah, You can start to understand trends. Yeah. You can see things. And so it does help to cut down on or help add to the investigation process that HR runs. Yeah. So documenting is really good for the HR people who want to help you. I think it's also really important to do, even if you're not, even if you listeners are in a situation. For example, I was speaking with Susan Fowler, who who Mm. was at Uber and wrote the the famous now memo. Yes. And she she knew HR in that case. She knew HR was not going to help her. She had ample evidence. But she said, you've got to document it because she said, if I hadn't, I never would have been able to write that memo. And, uh, and it was really important for her to, to, you know, seeking justice, but also, and this is another point about documentation, even if she hadn't written that memo, she said documenting was really important because in some ways it dispels gaslighting. If you don't like write it down, it's easy to think, ah, the problem is me. Like, and it's not, it is not. That's exactly where I was going to say, Kim is, is I've had instances where I've documented things. And the first is it helps me get to clarity. Yeah. Yeah. What was it about it that bothered me? Yeah. What was it about the situation? And it also helped me understand, you know what, Ernest, this has happened before. 
Yeah, this is. But you didn't. You yeah. You didn't. You didn't recognize it happening at that point, right? Because sometimes, particularly again, speaking from being an underrepresented person, sometimes we desensitize ourselves to the bullying or to the language that's happening, right? Yeah. And maybe one egregious situation happening, you sit down and you write it out and how you felt about it. Yeah. And then you begin. You know what? I felt like this last week. Wait a minute. Let me think about what was happening last week. Oh my goodness! I didn't even recognize. Yeah that that was happening in that situation, right? Because it was either really subtle or yeah. it was something that I had just said to myself, you know what, Ernest, just move past it. Yeah, yeah. And so let's talk about that because I, when I started to write Just Work, I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll have to get stories from other people. Not that much stuff has happened to me in my career. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, I had been going through my whole career, la, 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 yes. you know, uh, yes. pretending like things were not happening that were. I'd been deeply in denial. And I was talking to a young woman about this, a, a young mm-hmm. white woman, and and she said to me, she said, you know, though, there's, it's help. I mean, you would be so angry. Like, would you have, it was success, was your denial, did it, was it helpful at some level? Mm. And I wrestle with this because I really, I'm the radical candor person, you know, I I don't believe in denial and and writing just work was so liberating because Mm -hmm. it's it's no good to lie to yourself ever. That's right. Uh, and, And yet, it is important to choose your battles. So so how do you think about that? Well, I think it's interesting because I think the other trigger that comes to my mind, Kim, is imposter syndrome. And yeah. how many times when you think about imposter syndrome and denial is a very, very clear um, kind of symptom of imposter syndrome. Yeah. And so, you know, why am I denying this, right? Is it because yeah. I don't think that I'm worth standing up for myself? Yes. Yeah. Is it because I just want to achieve at all costs? Is it like it helps to really start to understand the why when you write it out and you yeah. think about it, right? And and I think um you're right. Sometimes we are taught to just just achieve. Yeah. Right? And 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 let everything else go by the wayside. All the other stuff doesn't matter. But again, I think we've talked about this many times before on this podcast. The more you higher you climb, the more privilege you gain. Yeah. And the more privilege you have, the more responsibility you have. So it becomes yes. no longer about you. Yes. But about helping others around you. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. The, the denial. And it's interesting. You, you know what made me start to come out of denial, really? It was reading, Susan. It was reading that. Mm-hmm, that, that letter. That memo. And I thought, my gosh, she's much younger than I am, much earlier in her career. Yes. Than I, like, where did she come up with the courage to write this? And why have I sort of been yes. <laughs> just yeah. moving right along? Well, look, I think it is a it is an acknowledgement and a nod to Gen Zs and millennials and yes. um, all the generations that are coming behind that of what I learn every day from yeah. that generation, which is I'm not going to take it. Yeah, yeah, thank <laughs> I'm not going to take it. You I know mean, that generation, <laughs> those generations, they're not paying the asshole tax. No, <laughs> no, which I appreciate. <laughs> I so appreciate it. I learn from it every day when I watch it. I'm just, you know, whether it be just, I mean, even if, you know, I think about Kim, um, the World Cup and and um, the captain of the U.S. team mm-hmm. um, was a was an African-American man mm-hmm. um, from from his last name happened to be Adams. Uh, no relation, though. No. <laughs> <Unfortunately. laughs> but he was doing, 
He was doing an interview afterwards in the, you know, one of the, um, I don't know if you saw this, one of the mm-hmm. reporters who was from Iran asked him a question mm-hmm. and basically said, you don't know how to pronounce my country. Um, you've been mispronouncing my country. You're also from a country that mispronounces our country all the time. And there's a lot of arrogance that comes with being American. And he went from an angle of said, you know, I apologize first. And then secondly, came from an angle and said, but in my experience, you know, as a black yeah. man, here's what yeah. my experience has been. And I love that. And I thought, wow, so brave and so courageous at the age that he's at to really understand first off to say, I'm speaking from my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And number two, I'm going to disrupt this right now because I don't want to, there's one question that's being asked that is directed at me because I messed up. Yeah. And there's a, now, now you're following that question up with bullying a bit in your yeah. question yeah. around Americans. And he was able to flip that. So I think it's really, really interesting um, to be able to do that. And I was trying to think if he used a you statement, uh, in his, in his answer back to the reporter. But again, I just, that just comes to mind in a place where again, learning from a generation, but speaking from experience, yeah. not taking BS and standing yeah. up to it really yeah. quickly. Yeah. It's amazing. I love it. So Ernest, what, do you have a good upstander story? Like what, uh, when you think about upstanders that you're grateful to, <laughs> do you have a good story? You want me to start with mine or do you have a good story? Start with yours, Kim, and I'll I'll come with one. I mean, I have so many, so I got to filter through which ones I think are 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 most relevant here. So early early on in my career, I was working at uh, in a in finance, and I found out I was underpaid by a significant margin. Like (laughs) I think we talked about this before. I was paid twenty five percent of what I should have been paid, not twenty five percent less, but seventy five percent less. And, and then we, we were all living in this, in this house that had been provided in housing that had been provided to us by the Soviet government. I was thrown out of the house because I was a woman, because Russia was a sexist society, said my boss, like the Russians did not, it was, (laughs) you know, that's what happens all the time. You know, oh, it's those people over there are sexist or racist so therefore i'm entitled to do the sexist or racist thing like what is that about but i'm not um anyway so a a bunch of stuff was happening that was infuriating and there was one man who worked at the firm and he noticed what was happening and Mm. i really i was right out of college i was sort of blaming myself for all of it and i thought well maybe this is just what it means you know to be a woman in the workplace you have to put up with all this and he pulled me aside and he said no it's not fair and then he introduced me to another firm and allowed me to get a job working at a different firm and that i cannot tell you what a difference i mean my whole the whole trajectory of my career would have been different without him Uh, He couldn't fix it. He couldn't actually, he tried to get the CEO to be reasonable and he couldn't, but just like pulling me aside and saying, this is the delay part saying that was ridiculous. And I'm sorry Mm -hmm. it happened, dispelled Mm -hmm. gaslighting and and allowed me to quit blaming myself. I think the other thing he did was he created a distraction. The distraction though was in your mind. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? He created a distraction for you. 
yeah. to look at, to look somewhere else and to yeah. focus on something else, which I think is really, really interesting. And it's, as you were telling that story, I was like, that is another form of destruction. Yeah. 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 He's like, you don't have to work here. And why right. I thought I, I mean, of course I could have gotten other jobs, but for some reason, some, sometimes when you're stuck in the middle of a bad situation, you feel more trapped, or at least I felt yeah. more trapped than I in fact was. Yeah. I mean, sometimes of course one is well and truly trapped. So I want a hundred percent. I was not in that case. A hundred percent. I think, you know, as, as you're telling that story, I think back through my career and God can, there's been many moments of upstanders in my career. Um, and I think the one that's most prevalent for me that I've seen happen many times, mm -hmm. in fact, is, um, when I speak to a boss or a peer mm -hmm. about an experience that I've had, where mm -hmm. someone was rude, cut me off, yeah, uh, made fun of me. I've had people yeah. who made fun of me in meetings. Um, so awful. Uh, so awful. Um, and then all of a sudden, the behavior for that person changes. Mm -hmm. And I begin to wonder why the behavior from that bully changed. Yeah. And I've had two instances that I can think of specifically where I went back to the person who I told. Mm -hmm. And I said, did you happen to mention it yeah. or bring it up? to that other person. And this, there's one instance in particular where the, the, both the, the person who I told and the person who was doing the bullying were both very senior. And the person who I told, it took her two times of me asking her in separate instances before she actually told me that, yes, she had intervened and she had gone and said something to that person. But it was so significant. The behavior change was so significant yeah. in the bully <laughs> yeah. that, that you knew something had happened or that a person had intervened. And again, I think I find myself very fortunate because to your point, Kim, like we, we have had those people we could go talk to yeah, who give us guidance. And I would say in those instances for people who are listening, who to say, who, who is that person for me? Who yeah. do I talk to? Yeah. Who do I, um, you know, sometimes the person doesn't have to be in your direct reporting structure. Yeah. Sometimes a person can be a mentor, can be a friend who can just give you a different way of thinking. Yeah. That helps you reframe a little bit for yourself. Yeah. And in that reframe, you find freedom. Yes. Freedom. And I think also when you ask someone to be an upstander for you. Yes. Then you're, it's like, I think we talked about this before, but it's like asking, it's like asking for an investment. It's not like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm so weak. I need your help. It's like, I am worthy of your investment. <laughs> Invest. Yes, yes. yes. And, uh, and, and I think that people are happy to do it often. And, and it works. I mean, that's the thing about the bullying. Yeah. Bully, the people who bully often are not bullies. They're, they're, for whatever reason, they <laughs> think this behavior is okay. But yes. when, when someone holds up a mirror, they change. They can change. That's right. I think the other thing that's really interesting about bullying that I've learned, particularly in the last, I would say, decade of my career is to really, empathy is a wonderful, wonderful counteract, it counteracts bullying. Yes. And what I mean by that is to begin to think about that person who's doing the bullying with empathy. Yeah. What trauma have they gone through in their lives? Yes. That has forced them to come out and feel like they're caged in the corner. Yeah. What or, or are they a scared little boy or a scared little girl in the form yeah. of a human of uh, an adult body? Yeah. And sometimes when I think through that, right, and I'm thinking about you know what that guy is just really a scared little boy who probably yeah. was hurt. Yeah. I now all of a sudden operate with a different level of empathy as I interact with that person, yep. which gives me power and freedom. Yeah. Yeah. To be more yeah. direct. Absolutely. As I'm interacting with them.
Yeah. And it also gives you power and freedom and encouragement to ask others to be the upstanders, yes. right? Because yes. Yes. it can work. Like I think it the, can work. The, the moment that we just write someone off, we hang a label around someone and say, oh, you know, you are a bully. You, you, yes. And then you become it, it you become hopeless that there'll be any change. So it seems pointless to ask an upstander to intervene, but, it, but going into it with a little optimism that this person, something's going on for that person. And That's right. That's you right. don't need to know what it, but especially like it is your boss's job to create consequences for bullying. That's your right. boss That's right. may be the bully or may not be doing their job, <laughs> yeah. but, but upstanders can often really play a, a big role. I love that story. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, the one thing I will say is I think through it, I have had a couple instances, and I'll be honest about this, where I've had people who have asked me to be upstanders for them. Uh-huh. And I have politely declined. Uh-huh. And those situations were very, very specific where I would see a behavior in the person who's asking me, either they were the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Or they themselves were causing trauma for others yeah. in the room. Yes. And 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 yeah. this was now in response to something that they had done. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think in the purest sense of who upstanders are, you know, when you are asking someone to stand up um, and intervene in a situation that is truly, truly driven by power, driven by discrimination, driven by, I, I think people, you're right. People will always stand up and help. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you're right in my, and, and being aware when someone is asking you to be an upstander, why are they like, are they. My, my Andy, my husband puts it this way. He says there are bullet makers and bullet shooters. And, (laughs) and he points out because I'm like prone to want to be the upstander. He'll warn me. He'll say, Kim, don't shoot that bullet. (laughs) (laughs) A hundred percent. Cause I, I can be, I'm, I'm a little vulnerable to being the bullet shooter. And that kind of leads me into a couple of the different ways that, that upstanding can go wrong. Like mm-hmm. playing the knight in shining armor or white savior complex or any of those. Uh, yes. or, or sometimes yeah. just, you know, fighting bullying with bullying doesn't work. Mm-hmm. The kind of mm-hmm. incredible Hulk. What's that in, in, in that movie for the <laughs> puny God, you know, the Hulk is like. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Avengers. In Avengers. Yes. Yes. Uh, I remember watching that with my kids and like. I've done that a couple of times and, and, and it feels good in the moment. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh my gosh, there was one guy who had been a bully to a young woman on my team. And mm. I, it was late at night. It was a Friday. I was mad at him. Yeah. And I just called this guy and I just, I just out bullied the bully. Mm-hmm. And, and then later I was like, oh my gosh, what, why did I do that? But I did not do what I should have done, which is gone and apologize to him and make amends. Yes. These things always come back to bite you. Like five years later, oh, no. he was working on a project. We, my husband and I both worked at Google. He was working on a project with my husband. And, and he looked, he said, you are married to Kim Scott? <laughs> How can you stand it? <laughs> Andy came home and he was like, what did you do to that guy? <laughs> oh, but he learned him. a lesson. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like you learned a lesson, man. Well, no, he didn't. He just thought I was a big jerk, which I had been, actually. He, yeah, you know, that's, that's the problem fair. with out bullying the bully is not 
is not uh, that's a yeah. losing proposition for all of exactly, us. Exactly, exactly, right? exactly. I think um, the empathy, the empathy piece is a good one that comes into play that helps you think: Am I out bullying the bully, or am I? Yeah, yeah. What's going on with this person? What's going yeah, on with this person? Exactly. Yeah. All right, I have one last question, and then we should jump. But yeah. you said in the beginning, you said, "Let me play that back for you." Do you have a good? Yes. Is there a good? Let me play that back for you, where somebody was saying something, sort of bullying someone else, and you were showing them how it's how it's out. Yeah, I was. I was. I was in a meeting. I might have talked about this on one of our previous podcasts. I was in a meeting with a um, with with the leadership team, um, mm-hmm. and. The leader of that meeting had helped me, asked me to come in and do an audit for him as he was on his journey, his diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion journey. And I was just taking notes and there was an interaction with him and a, a very senior woman on his team. Um, mm-hmm. And he made a comment to her and I'm trying to remember exactly what the comment was to her, but he made a comment to her that was very off the wall around her willingness to travel her kids at home. Yeah. And he just made a very, very disrespectful comment. And so after the meeting, I said to him, I said, look, I said, I know you have two daughters at home. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say back to you what you just said. And mm-hmm. I want you to think about your two daughters and somebody saying that to one of your daughters. Yeah. And he <laughs> said, I would, he, he said, I would never want that to happen. And yeah. I said, so why did you just say this to her? <laughs> and, and, and he looked at me and he said, you know, I didn't even realize how that came across yeah and i said yeah. well it came across pretty harsh yeah and so you may want to go back and, and, and have a conversation and apologize and have a conversation with it right but that was a situation and i find that to be very effective particularly once you get to know people to be able to put it in context yeah. for them of yeah. their lives yeah um kimberly crenshaw when she talks about intersectionality she has an example that she talks about the 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 locker room or the living room uh-huh. And she talks about that if people can picture you in their living room or picture you in their locker room, yeah, they have a place for you in their minds. And I think yeah. that's exactly what I was doing in that you statement. Yeah. Was I was putting that woman in his living room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and making it more comfortable for him. Yeah. And in that moment, he's like, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's why, that's why the, that is the essence of why upstanders yeah. are so powerful. Cause, cause it like, didn't take a ton of, t- of your time, didn't take a Not ton of his time. And he learned something invaluable and yes. probably worked much better with that woman after, after you explained to him. Absolutely. So hopefully absolutely. he went and apologized. <laughs> he did. I can, I can validate that. He did go apologize. Yes. So. Yeah, yeah. so that's great. Okay. So, so to our listeners, go forth and be an upstander. Yes. Find a way to be an upstander. That's fantastic. I think the five D's are a great framework. And I think the you statements are such a powerful tool as well. So love the you statements and the you questions. What's going on for you here? Like that's a little exactly. empathy. Like, like exactly. this is not you. This is not how you behave. <laughs> Did you <laughs> hear what you on? just said? Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. All too. right, Ernest, thank you so much. A great start to 2023. Until next time. Great to see you. Take care.